Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Green Suiters Podcast. This is episode 60, a community episode. If you've never heard of our community episodes, we like to take questions, thoughts, complaints, and ideas from the community at large, the woodworking community at large, and we just turn that into one entire episode. If you want to submit your own question, comment, thought, or idea to be read on the next community episode, because it's every five episodes we do this, go to www.greensuiterspodcast.com and submit your question to have it read on the air. Uh, did we want to get talk about what we're up to? You want, you guys just want to jump right into it? We can jump right into it, uh, unless uh, yeah, I don't. You we usually don't do the what we've been up to on the community ones. No. Let's just no. get the questions, and then that way maybe we can answer more. But I do want to talk about the giveaway because this is the last mm. episode of the month, so it's your last chance to uh, enter in the giveaway that we will be doing or that we are doing this month with TSO Products, and that is for the GRS 16 PE Guide Rail Square. The best guide rail square out there, hands down. Um, it's open to all 50 states, and all you have to do to enter is go to greensuiterspodcast.com and fill out the entry form there. If you've already done it, don't try to do it again, people. And if you do, you, you know, enter your wife. Enter, oh, what a great idea. En- I'm going to oh do that. Oh, my God, Jason. Enter your kids. Oh, but thank don't you. Don't enter yourself. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, whatever you what? do, don't enter your buddy. Because that's, that's we've talked unless about you that. and your buddy, unless you and your buddy are into what that. If, what if I spell Brian with once with an I and then once with a Y? I'll allow. Okay, yeah, I'll allow. We've talked about that before. I mean, people can do that if you want to enter your wife to win. Fine. You shouldn't enter anyone unless they want you to enter them. Yeah, you could go to jail. Oh, it's illegal. Could. It's a federal offense. Is it really? No. Oh, absolutely. It sure is. Definitely a federal offense. <laughs> no. All right. So if you want to enter the giveaway, just go to the website and enter your, enter your information. Yay. All right. Um, does anyone want to go first with their question? I will go first. Okay. What do you got? Uh, Mr. Jerry Grennan uh, sent this on our volley, everybody. For those of you that don't know, if you are a patron, you have the opportunity to be on a cool little private chat room group thing. It's a cool little app well, this, that Ben found us. Well, this is um, the first time that we're publicly talking about it. We are. We, we already tested it out with the with the existing patrons. So if you've never heard of Volley, it's a it's a messaging app, a video messaging app. You can do text or voice as well. But with Patreon, the Patreon page itself, uh, the community can't start their own threads, and so we wanted to have a way for if one of the patrons has a question about something or if they want to start their own discussion they can and so we started a volley uh and as soon as you are become a patron then uh you get access to our volley it's on a a pin post on our patreon page and you can start engaging with us and everyone else that's in the community if you have a problem in the shop you create a little video show everybody what you're talking about and then other people in the community can respond to it. it's a really great way to to just be in a community together so I, I was very hesitant about it at first, but it, it actually is kind of fun, and it seems like they're really enjoying it. So, Yeah. All right, so, All right, so. the first one is from Jerry, one of our patrons, mm-hmm. and he put it in on Volley. And uh, the gist of this is he was wondering, for people that are using Bloom undermount drawer slides, 
how do we notch uh, for the back of the slide on a drawer? Um, and if you don't know what he's referring to, basically when you're using undermount drawer slides, the, the drawer slide has to fit, like there's specific measurements. You have to have a half inch underneath the drawer slide or the bottom of the panel. And you have to have a notch in the back that the drawer can actually rest on. So it's actually riding on the bottom panel. So there's a couple of different ways that you can cut it. Um, I'll leave one to Sedge because I, I know one that he's gonna say. Um, you can use a bandsaw. Right, it's a very effective way. You can set up some stops on a bandsaw, it takes a couple of seconds, and then you just notch out, I think it's an inch and three eighths, if I remember correctly, is the width of the notch, at least on the 563H model. Um, so you'll basically just notch it out a half inch up and inch and three eighths over. You can notch all of the uh, horizontal ones first and then you just flip them all, set up your stop, do all the vertical ones, and you just cut that notch out. Um, I think Jerry had mentioned that he had been trying it with like a crosscut sled or something and a dado stack. Um, that's also a way to do it. He had mentioned some stuff about tear out. Try using a sacrificial fence on it and that'll probably help with that problem. Um, but the bandsaw, to me, the bandsaw is a much easier way to do it. What I would suggest, you don't have to do notches. You don't have to do any notches at all. You could just build your drawers so the back panel is a half inch uh, less in width. And when you put that on, it's just open in the back. So you don't have to worry about notching anything. The only thing that you would have to do is drill the hole for the locating pin. Mr. Sedgley. Yes. How, oh, I I, you were... how do I do it? Yeah, I think I know what you're gonna say. Okay, what do you think I'm gonna say? Using a domino. Yeah, I have a technique. Yep. I'm just I just looked up the episode. Uh and it's episode 32. And actually the uh the picture that I'm looking at on YouTube is me doing the notch. It's toward the end of the live stream we did about a year ago. And So this is on Festo Live, episode 32 yep. of Festo Live. Yeah, Festo okay. Live, episode 32. I'm sorry, I kind of got distracted because I'm trying to do this and a couple other things. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's just a few steps using a domino. It's about two plunges, setting the plate correct. And, uh, and then just you're left with a little bit of a wisp of a box so or back so what you do is you just take a chisel and pare it down or a handsaw um yeah. and it works absolutely perfect i showed the guys at bloom once and they kind of freaked out they went boy that's a lot easier instead of setting up a dado stack to do it so yeah i'm trying to think if i did it on sedge it. tool and i don't think i've done drawer boxes yet but i should do that on the sedge tool channel too i've i've never done bloom drawer mounts but you could do the same thing on a router table right yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It'd be very similar. It'd be very similar to just like using a dado stack and across, you know, a miter gauge or something. Yeah, um, yeah. I've I've done the miter gauge. I've actually done it on a router table. My preferred way, if I'm notching it out, is the bandsaw. As long because once you once you get the like, if you have those mag switches, you know, the magnets that you can just set. Um, those are great. You literally just set it up, run it, make the cut because it doesn't have to be clean or pretty. Um, but the bandsaw is going to do a great job, like at, no matter what. Um, the easiest way to do it to where you don't have to do anything is just cut your drawer bottoms 
half inch shorter. Depending on the the, the um, or the drawer side the depth, back. De- depending on the depth of the drawer, you could also curve cut it on a miter saw, couldn't you? Yeah, you use a sure can. You could, but you'd be if it was anything over like two or three inches in depth. I think it'd be a little harder to curve cut, just because I mean that blade would be like so far up because you have to stand it vertically, right? So yeah. the yeah, the back of the drawer the, the, box like this, you, you'd have to you'd have to stand it up that way to cut those notches out. So that that might be kind of hard. What? But no, you just put the box underneath the miter saw. Yeah, and yeah, do multiple. You could cuts you could like use this. a. You could use a spacer between the drawer box and the. You're talking about after it's already assembled, then cutting the notch out. Yeah, yeah, that's how I do it with the domino. Yeah, the only way I would ever do it that if I was did it after that would be with a domino because it's already constructed. The best way to do it is to cut the notches out before you assemble the drawer. Oh yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of people who buy boxes pre-made and they want to notch them because they decided to use Bloom Undermount. And that's why you set up a, a lot of people set up dado stacks to do it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I would probably use the domino in that scenario uh-huh. or a router table, depending <clears throat> on the width of the drawer. But you got to be careful with the do- with both of them because they're both drop cuts. Yeah. On one side. And that's where the danger lies when it's a dado stack in a, uh, I'm trying to, you know, Jason, I see, I'm, glad, I'm looking at, I'm glad you I'm looking said at that something. differently though. I'm glad you I'm said something at because that. with the bandsaw, you have to do it before you assemble, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. He's notching that when it's assembled on a bandsaw. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I would never assemble. If, if you're buying drawer boxes that are already made and you have to notch it out then, well, then, yeah, obviously the bandsaw is not going to work. But if I'm creating all my own drawer boxes... I'm going to cut my notches out before I ever put the drawer box together. Um, Actually, there's there's one more method, Jason, and you're leaving it out. It was a comment to your Bloom Undermount drawer slide video where somebody just, like, smashes the drawer box against, like, an indentation, and, like, and that's how they do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a stupid comment. Um, I wanted to go back to something you had mentioned about the router table because you had talked about one would be a... Uh, climb cut with my router table it wouldn't be depending on the width of the drawer box that's why i was thinking about it that way because a traditional router table how much space can you actually move the fence to the right of the router bit not very much a couple inches i don't get what you're saying so a traditional router table if i'm looking at it it's wide and the fence i'm looking at the entire fence dead on yeah yeah. That probably only goes back to the back of that table maybe a few inches. So the clearance that you get between the bit and the fence in its full open position is very minimal. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my router table, which is the complete opposite case of that. So depending on the width of the drawer, because mine, I'm looking at the wide router table, and my fence is this way, and I can move it way over this way. So I actually can open that up and I could still use it to push through a regular cut, if that makes sense. So I could reference this off the fence s- on the bit. Does that make sense? Well, okay. So on the on the drawer boxes again, I've never done bloom, so I, I, I have no idea. Where is that notch being made at in reference to the edges? Is it, made, is it being made close to a corner? Is it being made? Yep. 
close to um, the corner on the back panel, uh, the back of it. So I, I don't see how you wouldn't be able to use a, a router table to do that easily. But you it's can. a drop. It's a drop cut. In other words, one way, one notch, you push it in. You're pushing but it. But the other way, yeah. you got to drop it down and push it. Unless you unless so, unless you do two sets of the fence or two setups, which is a royal pain in the butt. Same thing with a dado stack. It's a drop cut. Okay, so I, I I may be showing uh, my um, my naivety here when it comes to router tables. Couldn't you just like again, Jason? Going back to what you're saying, you're facing the router table as if you're using it. Typically, you're pushing from right to left. Right, because that goes against the, the, the spin of the of the bit. Why can't you just uh, and I'm thinking like with the CMS it has a, a miter fence. Um I guess it'd be a little bit dangerous because you can't really lock the you can't really lock it down because it's a sliding table. But couldn't you just set up a bracing block and then push it directly towards the bit to notch out the other side? Because I get you what you're saying, like one 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 side is easy to do because it's close to the fence, but the other side, you would have to go from left to right because of where it is on the box. But you could you, you just could you could but you're it. overthinking it. You, you, the one that's that's going to be more dangerous. But I know what you're saying. In, you're looking at it straight on, and you're just talking about yeah. pushing it into the fence. Yeah. Yes, you for, could for, do that for the one side that doesn't have that much. Like with the CMS, it would be easy to do one side but not the other because so what, of how. Depending on how, how big the drawer box is, I guess. On a traditional router table, on any router table, we'll just we'll just say any router table. I you would this on the web. you would use the fence, and you do your right side back drawer box. You just push it through. Yeah. You know, adjust the fence, yeah. push it through. You're an inch and three eighths. You're good to go. What Sedge is yeah. talking about, in order to get the one, so this is the back of the drawer box. Router bits right yeah. here. I'm pushing, yeah. pushing, pushing. Yeah. Cool. I got my notch. Well, I can't go like this. Yeah. So what he's saying, you basically have to turn it around so now the back is facing you, yeah, and you'd yeah. have to drop down, and then yeah. you'd be able to do it because now this corner over here is now back in this corner. Now, if you yeah, have no, the height of your router bit set properly to half inch, it's really not a problem, but you're just adding one more thing, and it's another step. You've got to take it off. You've got to turn it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Bandsaw to me prior to assembly is hands down the option that I would choose but to be honest with you I really like not doing notches at all if I have a three and a half inch depth drawer full depth the whole side length not including the half inch panel on the bottom you know and the half inch gap so let's just say I'm doing three and a half inches I'm going to cut three pieces my two sides in the front at three and a half and I'm going to cut the back one at three yeah, yeah so you're going to reduce or you're going to take off that half inch plus the depth of your whatever the bottom of your drawer is and then just affix well, it just, to the bottom with just like be, nails or something it would yep yep or yeah. screws small screws yeah yeah which you really don't need i mean if you glue it in it'll be fine but just to prevent that sagging in the back i typically will either pin it with a couple of uh 18 gauge brad nails or i'll mm -hmm. just use some very small you know inch long or, screws or velcro 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 is another good option 16 um, paint, right. 16 penny nails. Yeah. Ratchet strap. Yeah. Ratchet strap. Ooh, strap on. <laughs> All right. We spent way too much time on that one question. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jerry. 
Um, all right, I'll, I'll take the next one. This is sorry, my uh, all my Apple devices are a little square. Right I thought now. you were going to say your dryer caught on fire again. No, uh, this is from Anthony Woodworking uh, over on Instagram, and he asks, "What is a custom piece that you couldn't get paid enough to do?" River table. I I have no interest at all of doing a river table. If someone asked me. Uh, to, to make them a river table, I would slap them in the face. And I would say, get away from me. <laughs> Sedge? River table. Jason? River Your table. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about this. This We, we had another we, similar question we, like this <clears throat> on another episode a long time ago. But, we have. Um, Just river say table. no. Yeah, I I, I, I have yeah. nothing against people that make them, and I have nothing against them. I just don't want any part of the epoxy. I want no, no part of that. It, None. It seems like such some a of them look beautiful, but I want absolutely no part of the I, epoxy. No, thank you. I, I don't think any of them look beautiful. So if you, if you make them, like more power to you. But I think they're pretty gross. Mister Sedgley. Mm. Bits and Bits is a proud sponsor of the Green Suiters podcast and a distributor of the nation's best router bits for your shop. They feature shank sizes from an eighth to a half inch and have a wide range of diameters of upcuts, downcuts, compression bits, and more. They sell bits for your wood, aluminum, metal, plastic, acrylic, and foam projects, just to name a few. Their bits are suitable for hand routers, router tables, and even CNCs. Each and every bit is slathered in Astro Coating, which is a super secret sauce that prolongs the life of your bits, keeps them running cooler, and keeps the cutting edge razor sharp. If you want to save some cash, use our promo code HANS15 to save 15% at checkout. Head over to bitsandbits.com to find out more. What is your question? <clears throat> I got one from the man, Mr. Man Sini Woodworking. And it said, what is the tool you would love to get your hands on if there was nothing stopping you? Okay, so I consider this a tool. I've been looking at them for years. They're out of, they've been out of production for years. And I met a guy. Oh, that sounds good. I met a guy. There's a guy out there who just, I don't know how we hooked up, but we've been going back and forth. And Oh, he heard me talking about Liberty Tool on, uh, I think, maybe this podcast, or I called it out somewhere. And uh, it's called an Emirate Vice. You guys ever hear of him? Yes. You've told me about them before. They are unbelievable. They are highly collectible. They are a pattern maker's vice. If I can score one, which this guy might bring one when I'm at Hatville Tool, I'm going to bring some serious cash with me. Uh, he says he has a couple of them, and him and I have been going back and forth. And I think I'm going to buy it because I'll build a whole bench around it. Because I've wanted one for at least 30 35 years now, uh, what is it about this uh, about that that separates it from like a moxon vice or like okay a... so a pattern making vice or and and there's been copies of this like uh, lee valley used to uh sell a tucker vice which was a knockoff a pattern maker's vice uh it has fairly decent sized jaws but it is it swivels on all kinds of angles so you can you may be working on something and you're like, oh, now I gotta. It's kind of like what a Vaxis does for you, puts yeah, it in the right working area, and it's angle, just amazing. Yeah. I've wanted one. Um, 
just forever. So I might be able to score one uh, probably in the next month. I'm crossing my fingers. Hopefully this guy Frank will come through. We'll see. So it's an Emirate vice. It's awesome. Yeah. Highly collectible. Very rare. You guys? What about you, Jason? Um, I'm going to go big on this one. If I had the space, um, I think I would really enjoy having a, a large sliding table saw. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. That'd be nice. Because with his, the majority of the things <clears throat> that I make, especially nowadays, <clears throat> and that I really enjoy making is the cabinetry-related stuff. So I think it'd be really great, but it's not just great for that. It's great for a lot of reasons, but um, I think it's better suited for the people that like to do that more. Um, mm -hmm. But it would still allow me to do all the other things that I wanted to do. But I've, I'd really like uh, something like that, I think. I just, I don't, the yeah. way that my shop is set up here, I don't, th with the CNC machine, I don't think I could do it. If I didn't have the CNC machine, maybe. Um, but yeah, that'd be my answer. The, uh, the yeah, same here. The YouTube uh, channel, Ishitani Furniture, uh, uses a, a sliding uh, table saw. And um, like, they use it with everything, not just, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen plywood ever used on that channel. It's all hardwoods. But they use it to joint every edge. Um, it's just... It's a really versatile tool, but yeah, you have to have the floor space for it. Really yeah. cool. Felder makes, uh, well, they have the hammer line, but the hammer ones don't take up nearly as much space. And then you get into like the real big Altendorf ones or Felder ones or, um, <clears throat> since you had the same answer, I, I will say one more real quick. And that would be, I would really like to try out the upgraded version of my joiner planer combo, which that might happen. Um, but I would really love What's, to see the difference between a Felder machine and the hammer machine. Hmm. What's the difference between what you have and what in the upgraded one? You talking about the width, or is it something? No, it's the, like the one I would the one different. I would do would be the sixteen inch. It's basically the, you know, the super luxury version of what I have, like digital readout, uh, um, automatic bed you know, oh, okay, lowering yeah. and raising longer, longer in feed and out feed beds on the jointer, um, much more sturdy fence. It's, it's like the Cadillac, you know, and it's you know, the mine. cat's pajamas. It, it's just, it's like a really, really super nice version. And then on top of that, they have format four, which is like even better than Felder. Um, I always tell people it's like XL, you know, Ford XL, Ford XL T, and then the Harley Davidson edition, right? All the, basically the same company, but you pay more money and you get like way better standard features and all this other stuff. So that would be the other one for me. Awesome. Is it my turn? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is from at Jacake. Uh, Chis, I, I don't know, G-K-A-T-E-C-H-I-S. I don't know how to pronounce that uh, on Instagram. He says, talk about a time you say a project will take versus the time that it actually takes to complete it. 
Um, mine's not really woodworking. I did, it did have some tasks in there. And that was when I remodeled my master bathroom. Um, I thought it was going to take, uh, you know, a few full good solid days, maybe a week, right? And that took me weeks to finish. Um, just because I ran into one thing that I'd never done before and then another, and then I started getting frustrated and then I had to tile for the first time and that was really bad. But by the end of it, I was pretty good. And it was just a, it was a mess. Um, and I would, I will say that pretty much none of my projects ever take the amount of time I say they're going to take these days. They're always way, 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 way longer. And I think a reason for that is because at this point, I don't have a timeline for it because I'm, I'm not having to build it for a customer. Um, the only time where things will completely change for me is if it has to do with the sponsorship because now there is time, you know, that is, that is related to that. So it has to be done by a certain amount of time. So ever since I stopped doing client work, I feel like nothing ever takes as short of amount of time as I think it's going to take. But the bathroom was definitely a project that took way freaking longer than I, than I ever thought it would. Sedge, do you have one? <clears throat> yeah, I think um, throughout the years you kind of, you know how you build and you know, you can dial in what it's going to take to build something, right? Okay, so I'll use it for instance. I, I don't build for anybody except Marianne right now. Okay, but a friend will come along and say, hey, I saw something on freaking Pinterest. <laughs> it, it looks real easy to build. You could probably knock it out in an hour. Right? That's the shit that drives me freaking crazy because they think I can, oh, it's only an hour of your time. I mean, it's just wood. Sage. It's just what. How it's, hard can it be? Oh, here's the best part. It looks like it's just a basic box. <laughs> and and then they show me. I go, so you saw on Pinterest? I go, are they charging? How much they charge? They go, it's only a hundred dollars. Okay. And it's premium pine. It, okay. <laughs> Not even that. I'll buy you the hairpin legs for this. Right, so <laughs> it, it you know what I'm talking about, right, Jace? Yep. Okay, so I said I'll build it with you, with you. Okay, so this was the beauty of it. They freaked out because they went and bought the materials and the legs, and I go, "Do you know you have to buy the stain too? And do you know you have to buy the finish?" And I go, "Oh, we gotta finish it." I go, you want a freaking made out of pine? So um, what happened was they showed up with everything, and we had a hell of a time. I showed them how to put it together, how to fill and sand, and they was like, oh, okay, and that took f four and a half hours. And then uh, they were kind of walking on. They go, oh, uh, we got to stain this. And they went, oh. So we stained it, right? And then they go, is it finished? And I go, feel it. And they go, well, we got to put a finish on? I go, yeah, now you got to go buy finish. So what happened was they didn't realize, oh, you got to wait for it to dry between coats? 
You can't just do one coat. So people don't realize the process, and you know the process. Mm-hmm. So I was rolling my eyes. I finished it for them because, you know, trying to get people and schedules together to come and do it. So I charged them a 12-pack for me to finish it. <laughs> but that was another eye-opener for me because, and they realized, oh, it, and it was a basic box with hairpin legs with a DAC stain, and they picked it up and they go, wow, that was a little expensive. I go, yeah, you should have bought it on freaking Pinterest or Etsy. Yeah, for 100 bucks. But yeah. now they have something where they understand, oh, so when somebody comes over to their apartment, they can go, oh, yeah, I built that. And there's a certain mm-hmm. pride to it. So that's why I did it. But people don't understand the actual time and process. I knew it was going to be dragged out. It wasn't a simple hour project. So that's where... It's a good teaching moment. It, it, You know what? It is a teaching moment, and I just love these guys. But it was just kind of cute to see, oh, their eyes every time. Oh, I got to go buy that? You don't have that? I go, no, not the color you want. Not the finish you want. And, but am I going to use all of it? No. So do you want me yeah. to buy the shit I'm never going to use again from you because yeah. we didn't use all of it? No. And that's the thing that people don't understand about building stuff. And people – so that's what I have to add to that if I was to hopefully give a little bit of insight to it. Mr. Marshall? I would say mine. I mean, I was, while you guys were talking, I was just kind of thinking of all the projects that I've done around the house. Probably the biggest one was my kitchen countertops. And as, as much as we like to, to joke and kid around about premium pine and stains and finishes, uh, I, I made these counters uh, six, almost seven years ago. And um, it's just now getting to the point where I'm like, okay, maybe these need to be replaced. So they've they've been abused for a number of years, and they're they're just now starting to to kind of – I mean, I could probably just refinish them and they'd be fine. But um, so I, I decided to to remake the the counters in my kitchen, um, and I think this is where it it really gets into to time, um, not time wasting territory, but like you didn't think it would take this long. Is when you're trying to do uh, either a modification to it to an existing installation or you are trying to remodel and you don't know how things are fixed underneath or behind. And so I thought, okay, uh, what I can do is I can just take the measurements of the space that the counters needed to take up. I go and buy that material for, to replace the countertop. I finish everything. I knew where I needed to cut it out for the sink and stuff. It's a simple L counter. It's not a very complicated one. Um, what I couldn't do in the moment was I couldn't scribe it to the wall yet. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll get the, the basic shape of it out. Um, I'll pull the old one off. I'll scribe it real quick. I'll throw the old one back on and then I'll, I'll finish making it. And when I went to go take the old top off, um, whoever installed the, the bottom units for my cabinetries in my kitchen, it, it, they just did it. It was like a built-in. They didn't assemble the carcass and then install it. They just built it all in place. And so the anchor points were in really weird places. There were pocket holes everywhere. It just, like, you couldn't just 
pop the top off. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you know, undo a couple anchors or fasteners and pull the top off. And so I ended up having to rebuild the entire bottom unit. But that was never the plan. I never budgeted for that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, both in money and in time. And so, you know, I I was still very new to work. This is in 2016, so I'm still very new to woodworking. I'd made a couple small furniture pieces, never anything to do with cabinetry. And um, it ended up taking like a month. And so like my kitchen was in disarray pretty much the whole time. Like I had to like think about how we're going <laughs> to cook meals and stuff. But um, I'd never worked with an oil before, uh, an oil finish. And that takes like, a, I don't know, probably a week to cure properly. And so, and it's like stinking up the house and it's like, geez. So the next time I do it, I will do it a much more efficient mm. way. Just tear it all out and rebuild it. I, That's the. I call it opening the, a, a simple project. I call it opening the can of worms. Yeah, it, that's it, it, exactly what it was. Yeah, it's like as soon as you pull one layer off, you're like, well, what the hell is this? You're like, I didn't know this was here. You ever, you ever have those days you walk out in the shop and everything you freaking touch falls apart? Yeah. Yeah. God, I it's hate every those time for days. Me. I try not to <laughs> say that, but I hate those days. Yeah. God. And, it, it, and it's one thing, too, when, you, when you're able to look at someone else's work because I, I, I experienced the same thing in my basement. I'm like, what were they? Like, how many corners were cut yeah. here? You know? Mm. That, that That's what I saw when I pulled that kitchen counter up. I was like, oh, man, this is just So that's terrible. big jobs. Like, this is actually a good topic. Um, big jobs like that, you really got to go into it with a, like a, a solid game plan, right? And that's what I'm already thinking about for our kitchen, even though it's way far off. And Sedge, I'll probably be talking to you about this once we get to that time. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like, okay, before the project, here's ways that you could save time in the long run based on what we were just saying. And it, for me, it would be like, okay, I'm going to go in the kitchen and I'm going to look at all the connections. I'm going to see how the tabletop or the, the countertops are attached before I ever start building anything. I'm going to see where the hookups are for the, you know, refrigerator, the uh, dishwasher, all of this stuff, right? figure out how all of those are going to come out. And then before I would ever take anything down ever, every single box for that kitchen would be complete. Like I would have every box completely built way before I ever ripped anything out of that kitchen. And the plumber and electrician scheduled to come in and make sure everything can be moved right after demo. Yeah. Or then there's the wait. There's the wait. And then the next big wait is like, what kind of countertops are you going to do? Uh Uh-huh. Well, if you're doing, you know, granite or quartz or whatever the case is, it's like, okay, now I've got all my boxes in place. Now I have to get somebody to come in here and, and do that. So what am I going to do in the interim? Well, in the interim, I could, you know, throw some OSB or some plywood up there and work off that. But, you know, how long are you going to go without an operating, you know, operational sink, which, mm-hmm. you know, you could set up. But do you want to go to all that trouble? It's like, it's this whole <clears throat> thing, man, like those big projects. Oh, yeah. I, I got a kick what? out of I got a kick out of about ten years ago. Uh, somebody uh, wanted me to I guess consult or they want to ask me a few questions on uh, a kitchen. So I was just there for them. I work with them. Uh, long story short, you know what they inst- you know what they told her the 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 misses of the house. Oh, we'll probably be in there two weeks. 
I looked at him and go, what a crock. What a crock. I go, prepare for a month and maybe a little over, depending if you're going to be moving stuff. And when they opened the walls, they, they ended up moving a window. Okay, a bunch of stuff. She came up to me afterwards. Oh, my God, it was a gorgeous kitchen. I mean, to die for and a great price here in Indiana. Oh my. She said, Sedge, a month and three days, you were spot on. <laughs> I go, well, you kind of, well, I knew you were going to probably move that window. And uh, that I thought that was a supporting wall where you wanted that little office nook. She goes, yeah, that was, we had to get somebody in here and get an inspector. And I go, hey, you run into, uh, you run into things. Yeah. And, and, and it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know until it's right in front yeah, of you. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. It's one thing that terrifies me about doing that kitchen well, with as many things as we are, have, are talking about doing the thing I it hate, will not be a quick process that's for sure the thing i hate is when people aren't up front with a with with a client a contractor is not up front with a client and i can smell that bullshit a mile away and it just it drives me crazy and i'm like just be you know, just tell them it's going to be a little while. They'll people, but don't don't blow smoke. Yeah, you know, and that's where that's where contractors, installers, whatever, get a bad rap because there there's a bunch of shade out there that ain't right. <laughs> so, yeah. well, that was a good one. Um, that was a good one. I think Seth next. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh wait, no, that was yours. That was yours, Jason. So yeah, said yep. Okay, I got one by Ground Zero underscore AR from Instagram, and it says, "Do any of you use moisture meters on your wood before starting the project?" Um, I have a Lignet. I think that's the name, Lignet uh, moisture meter. It's a pin. I use it when I run into something where I haven't sourced the wood and I'm unsure of it. Follow me? Mm-hmm. And there and I bought it when I was a little upset because somebody told somebody sourced the wood for a project. You know the uh, conference tables at Festool? Mm-hmm. You know the ones upstairs, the American Sycamore? Uh they moved and somebody t- uh, somebody told the person who sourced it, oh, it's a, it's a 9%. So after they were all built, I had to finish them. And uh, I helped build them, but I had to finish them because everybody booked. And I was a little leery, so I went to Woodcraft and bought the moisture meter. I came back, and I should have pinned it uh, before we built it because we had to compensate. So I had a little extra work to work with the... Um, the uh, keys I was putting in there and I did have to pour a little epoxy to compensate for some of the movement but and resand. so yeah um if I'm unsure about my source of the wood I'll pin it with a moisture meter but most of the time I'm buying from Frank Miller and they're they're the kiln and they kiln between seven and nine so when I hit the pin on that it was uh 16 17 percent jeez so I had to it's wait wet. to finish it, and it was okay. It just, you know, and then 
You never know. So if you're unsure, pin it or uh, put a moisture meter to it. What about yeah. you? What about you guys? If it's yeah, again, same thing. If if I don't know where the source is, or um, like for instance, I got some woods. I got some walnut from Jason uh, a year and a half ago that ended up being my coffee table, and so I moved it from Indy to Virginia. Um, and even though we're we're pretty much um, at the same uh, latitude, more or less, but there's still a little bit of a geographical difference. Uh, I I had to wait for it to stabilize a little bit to where I'm at. Um, but, um, I mean, if I'm getting it from Lowe's, I know it's the best quality, right? You know, oh, that that's premium project pie. ready. That's yeah. project ready. They wouldn't call it you premium know? if it was wet. Uh, um, I, 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 I pin myself just, just to do it, just to be sure. Um, but yeah. What about you, Jason? Um, same answer. I, I don't, I don't do it anymore uh, unless it's like if I, somebody selling a bunch of wood and you know i'm like oh wow that's a really good deal maybe i'll go you know especially if there's somebody that mills their own lumber or mm-hmm. cuts their own logs um but you i do that for almost, your mdf though right right absolutely i want to make sure my yeah. mdf is is very low um i that almost just never happens for me at this point so i i will n- not check anything that's in my shop right now for any reason before any project because this wood has been in my shop for sure i moved from greenwood indiana to avon indiana right Um, but it's in a climate controlled space it's been here i know it came from hartzell i know it's kiln dried like i'm not worried about it at all like if it's gonna and then people were like well it moved because it wasn't dry it's like that's not necessarily true right there's so many other things that go into that like releasing tension and everything else the moisture content in my shop for the wood that i have is not a concern of, of mine at all uh i think who's that ben mm-hmm. this is coming from jerry grennan off of our volley channel uh, he asks, how has the new social media and youtube changed woodworking for the hobbyists and professional alike so for the hobbyists i think that woodworking can be more um, accessible where uh, in a situation like mine and and Jason too, like I didn't have anybody that taught me how to use tools growing up. Uh, I mean, I had a grandfather that did woodworking. My dad was pretty handy around the house, but um, again, like all my woodworking has been discovery learning. Uh, I've never been to a school. I've never been to um, a a trades school. craft school or anything like that so everything that i know about woodworking has been either self-taught or self-discovered through the internet and so i think that again the the advent of social media and um online video has opened up woodworking to a lot of people that otherwise probably wouldn't have been exposed to it and then for the professional i think that uh, social media for the most part has removed the bar of entry for advertising in the in the past when everything was analog you had to if you wanted to get your name out first you had to take out advertising you had to take out radio you had to take out tv you had to take out newspaper you had to take out magazine um and back then it was very much uh attention arbitrage you had to just throw everything that you could 
out at these different media um, distributors with the hopes that it would get people to come in. You couldn't target necessarily anything. You could like geographically target things, but as far as saying, I want to target someone that's 35 to 45 that gets, uh, that consumes media between these times of the day um, that has this level of income. You just, you just didn't have that level of detail with advertising and marketing before social media. But now that these things are somewhat tracked and profiles are established and stuff like that, um, you can really target the person that you're trying to reach without having to waste money on people that are not your target customer. Um, and I think that if people are doing YouTube right, that have like a, an, a business that exists outside of YouTube, if you're using YouTube right, it's only gonna bring you more business. Um, and so, I, I, again, I, I think that it, it's in today's day and age, it's a lot easier for a hobbyist to quickly turn into a professional. Mm -hmm. Not to say that that couldn't happen in the past. It could. It would just take them a, a lot longer to do that. Um, because now it's like, okay, if I want to learn a new technique, uh, I can just quickly go online, get, get a lot of exposure to it, and then go in my shop and then try it. Whereas in the past... Those those types of things are relegated to a person with experience that it may or may not know, uh, some type of an article um, that maybe only comes out once a month or once a week, or is only at a um, like a woodworking club. Again, there's the the, the level of access was uh, a lot harder before all this stuff. So that's my take on how social media has, has changed for woodworking for the hobbies of professional. What do you guys think? Um, I have nothing to add to the professional side. Uh, and I agree with everything. Um, I agree with everything on the, the hobbyist side, but what I would like to add to that is you not only, it's easier to find information out about it because of social media. It also, I think, is becomes more intriguing to people because of social media, people they follow and they like, and then they want to try something. The other big benefit to social media and how it's changed is that a new woodworker, a hobbyist woodworker, can have people that they like following and that they like watching their videos and all that stuff, and they can send them a message and in a lot of cases get immediate feedback as opposed to if we were still looking at magazines or waiting for this old house to come on PBS or waiting mm -hmm. for whatever, even if it's like you going to your TV and like, you know, going to Netflix and watching whatever. Um, the fact that you have YouTube now and that because of social media, those people are so accessible in most cases, you never have to wait for anything anymore, right? You can get the answers you're looking for immediately and you can, you can read about it, you can see it. Um, or you can ask somebody a question and talk to them about it instantaneously. Um, yeah. So I think because of that, and this does not only apply to woodworking, because of that, more people have done it. And then you, the other thing that's cool about uh, social media too is it does create these communities. And some people will just become very, very fond of that community, which sparks their passion even more. So that's another positive impact uh, to social media. The downside to being a hobbyist and relying on social media is that uh, if you're somebody with very thin skin, um, it could 
discourage you very quickly. Hey, this is Ben, inviting you to join our growing podcast community over on Patreon. As a member of our community, you'll get early and ad-free access to each episode, as well as invites to our monthly group call with the community. Also, you'll be able to participate in the direction of the show by submitting your questions for upcoming episodes. Use the links in the show notes below, and we'll see you on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Sedge. What about you, Sedge? When I first looked at this question, I didn't <clears throat> know how to answer it, but I get it now, and I'll tell you, I so wished that when I was in the business that I had Instagram uh, predominantly because I could create a portfolio on there just to show, mm-hmm. and people like bragging rights. So, you know, you're doing an install, people would come by and say, oh, the neighbors would come by, look what they're doing. You know, people love that. They love to brag about, I bought this kitchen, and now it's all online. You can watch, and I would really, I would really promote that as my portfolio. Um, I mentioned early on in this podcast, quite, oh, really early, hey, what websites do you guys use? And there was one, and I'll always say this. And it is social media. It's a forum. It's called WoodWeb. Anytime Mikey and I had a question on something, and we sometimes we would get in an argument on things, I go, Mikey, I'm going to go into the archives of WoodWeb, type in what we're working on, and one of them was a radius toe kick. I go, you think we're having a problem with this? And all of a sudden, five, six, ten threads came up on radius toe kicks. And it answered a question that we really needed. That's in a forum back when I was, you know, whenever. That was how we got it. Now, you're right, uh, Jason. It's a little more instantaneous. And we you could actually reach out right now to somebody on Instagram and they would probably respond. So I think it's changed a lot. Um, and just for a hobbyist. If you do the right search and you find the right people, you have some of the most unbelievable master craftsmen out there showing you correct ways to do things. There's a lot of hacks out there. You've got to be very careful. But, boy, people want to share and they want their craft to continue. Mm-hmm. So they're out there sharing on YouTube. And I am blown away of this content that's free and they are willing to teach you what they have done for their entire careers and it's absolutely amazing now you gotta be very careful and when i say careful you gotta be very open-minded because some of these people teaching that are unbelievable craftsmen are not that good in front of a camera but Mm -hmm. they are willing willing to get in front of the camera to share their knowledge. So they may not have the biggest followings. Don't go by following size. Go by, hey, this guy, you can kind of feel they know what they're talking about. They may say, um, or aha, boo, or have, you know, they, they may not be that eloquent a speaker, but they're like, once again, they're Very up, knowledgeable. They are unbelievable. So... Just finding the right people to watch on YouTube 
And I'm just blown. I, I'll say it a thousand times. I'm blown away who's out there sharing right now. So for a new woodworker, a hobbyist, you are so daggone lucky because there's so many mentors out there for you. So that's what that's my two cents on that. And I'm I, that is a really good question. I yeah, like it. I'm very I'm glad that question came in because that that's a good. Yeah. I mean, that could be a whole episode in itself. I think. Oh, yeah. And maybe, yeah. And maybe we kind of point people to towards some of those people that, you know, they may not have the biggest followings, but they're out there teaching, you know. Yeah. And, and the thing I keep saying is, it, it, it it's free, <laughs> right? I, I can't, yeah. You know. Well, I'll tell you this: the probably the one place you want to avoid is uh hang on let me find this channel oh god <laughs> hold ben's on woodworking ben's let me do woodworking. for you oh. <laughs> ben's woodworking everybody you don't want to go to that so, channel so but you know what blows me away we have this segment get get ben and people just comment and comment and then you taught me this guys you said sedge they're just commenting that they don't have any videos themselves and then the light mm. went off and i was like what do you know, do you know, I, I don't know the percentage, Ben, you may know the percentage that people are willing to share out there, you know? Oh, it's, it's, it's not much, not much. I never, I mean, I never got that until you told me. I mean, you got to think that I'm trying to think of how many, oh, I know that there's, there's, there's a few million active YouTube channels out there a mm. few million which is not which is not a lot there's how many people are, are in america 280 million something like that yeah. and I, I could be totally off but it's it's a you're right it is a very small percentage and i would say that the more that you get closer to um, people that make content regularly is an even much smaller percentage yeah. um you know it's I, I i am discovering new new channels every week that I just, mm -hmm. I've never heard of these people before, which every time that happens, I'm like, Oh my God. It's like, it, it's like discovering gold because you're like, how did this person exist? And yep. I've never heard of them. Yeah. Um, I, I would say, okay, that, that may happen once a month that I, that I discover someone that I've never heard of before. Um, but those people are out there just how you're saying this, those people are out there. Uh, it's just, it can be very challenging to discover them. Um, and I love I love those channels or I love videos. Maybe they've done two or three, but it's something I'm looking to purchase. And they are so genuine. There's nothing fancy. They're shooting it on their iPhone. They don't edit anything. And they mm -hmm. go off on these wacky tangents. And I can't stop watching it because... It's that genuine enthusiasm that this old timer has for whatever, and I love it yeah. because the I don't think people know what it takes to get in front of a camera and 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 share. And I just love it. Hey Ben, just kudos to you. I just watched. I think I think it's your newest video where you just bought the action camera. Yeah, God, you yeah, had me laughing when you were trying to open up that package in the very beginning. 
Dude, that looks like seriously. That took me about twenty five minutes to try to get it. Okay, I got I got one more question about the video. <laughs> that dude that was holding up the stop sign. Uh huh. Okay, he should have let you go about a couple minutes before. He just wanted to talk oh, no. to you. No, I know. I, I saw the guy at the other end. It was a very short work area. Yeah. And I'm like looking at the sign. I'm like, his sign says slow. So I know that the other side says stop. So I'm like, I, I know I can go. And but. you had your helmet on in the store, didn't you? Yeah. Filming. Yeah. Well, I had to keep, I had to keep recording. God damn that. I loved it. You, uh, you know how to and, put a good video together to hold me, you know, to. Oh, thanks, buddy. You're welcome, pal. When uh when I was talking to that guy in the, the whatever the shop is the um, yeah pawn the pawn shop, I hit him in the head with my helmet. That's why I said I'm sorry. <laughs> it didn't come through in the video, but I totally whacked him in the head with it. I go, I love it. He's got his helmet on, man. I guess uh, I'll have to watch it. What's this channel called? <laughs> it's called uh, Jason Bent Sucks Balls. <laughs> oh, also known as Adventures on Zero. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. I just loved how Sedge was talking about these crappy videos of people who are uncomfortable and awkward, and then he uh, commented on your video. <laughs> no. I was like, oh, perfectly <laughs> no. let in. Good job, Sedge. Good job. I love watching <laughs> genuine videos. I just love it. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. You know, it's um, – and I think it was in 2019, and we're getting off on a YouTube tangent here, but it, it, it is kind of in regards to this. In 2019, YouTube uh, changed their how they determine what video you're going to watch. They started doing machine learning. And so unless you go into like an incognito session with YouTube, YouTube is presenting videos based off of two things. Your your current search, uh, if, if you're doing a search, or on your homepage, which is like the first thing that pops up when you open the app. Um it's completely based on what it expects you will like based off of what you've already watched. And so it makes sense that you kind of only see YouTube videos from channels that are kind of, or, or that are very similar to other channels that you've already mm -hmm. engaged with. And so every now and then it'll kind of fish like a new one in front of you, be like, Hey, this is kind of what you already like. It's something you've not seen before, but if you just like pass it up because you're just browsing, well, then that channel is going to be, not I'm going to say gone forever, but you're never going to see it probably for a few months. And so that's why when, when I'm talking with people online, I'm like, hey, what are, what are some channels that you like mm. to watch? Because, again, that's, that is the best way to discover new creators yeah. or, or new to you. Um, because we are kind of at the behest of, of the algorithms. And it's not, it's not just one algorithm. It's thousands of algorithms that are at play when it comes to maybe not Instagram and Facebook, but definitely YouTube and Google. Um, and so there's, you know, there are just so many people out there that we have never heard of that are in their own little mm -hmm. woodworking communities that mm -hmm. exist outside of the ones that we know. Cause like really when you think about it, how often do you guys come across like a new creator in our, in our communities? It's not, to, for me, it's not often that it happens. It's like, again, like it seems like once a month, I see someone that is just completely new to me, and I'm like, wow, where's this person been? You know, this whole time. And it kind of seems like we we run in the same circles. I, I honestly, I would I would say the opposite for me. 
Um, really? I find, I want to hit on something real quick now that we're talking about this topic, but I find that especially lately, maybe it's because I've been consuming more YouTube content as of late. Um, I have been fine. I don't, I don't consume a lot of content unless I'm looking for something specific. But lately, like I've been finding a lot or... of woodworking channels that I had no idea existed. Um, and that's something I still find fascinating about this whole thing is that, you know, I've been doing this for years and there's all these woodworkers out there that have no idea who I am. There's all these woodworkers out there that I have no idea who they are. And I, here, like, you know, a few years ago, I would have thought that I knew just about everybody in the woodworking field. Hmm. But it's so big now huh. that... It's just incredible to me when like some I'm like who is this person and they have like huge followings even and I'm like who is this person I've never even heard of this person right um, but I wanted to talk about something you brought up about you know they serve you what you watch well I can vouch for that because my feed is full of uh, Vlad and Nikki or <laughs> Roma and Diana or all these other weird shows that my son likes to watch. Um, but, you know, I, I watch a lot of Jason Hibbs videos, uh, Bourbon Moth, because they're hilarious. So Who? every single time he releases a video, Jason Hobbs. Oh, oh. Bourbon, <laughs> so, bourbon what? Bourbon, um, I'm going to write that down. Butterfly. I'm going to try to follow that guy. Bourbon Butterfly, yeah. Oh, that's it. He's kind of a clown. Um, Keith Johnson, you know, I watch his videos. So, like, their videos always pop up in mine. One thing I was thinking about, though, yesterday on my way back from Fort Knox was, you know, I feel like a lot of my audience isn't re-engaging with videos. And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, well, why could that be, right? And to just stop, Ben. Don't say some stupid remark because I know you're just dying to. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, I said it. Ben, ben was going to say, yeah, because you make fucking shitty content. Um, no, I was thinking about this, and this is a, this is something that I've been seeing a lot more lately on some of these channels that are growing a lot faster. And some, you know, when I say this initially, you're probably going to be like, "Well, yeah, duh," but there's a bigger reason behind this, and that is posting videos a lot more frequently. I've always been, for the most part, every other week. Uh, there's times where I go past that, and there's there's short stints where I will do a video a week. Well, guess what? When I'm doing the video a week, the views on all of my videos go up. When I'm doing a video every two weeks, the views are lower. And then you see all these other channels that are growing really fast. They're doing a video every week and their average views are much higher, right? In comparison. And I was thinking about this and I'm like, so I wonder why that is. And I think the reason for that is let's say I release a video today and Ben, you click on it and you watch it. Well, you watch that video. Sure. It might recommend another video to you the next time you log in, but it may be a, a video that you've already watched. So why would you watch it again? So you're just going to scroll right past it, right? But so it might be two weeks before you see another video. And then if you just happen to miss that new video, now it's two more weeks before you, you see what I'm saying. So the time in between you watching that channel has gotten longer and longer and longer as opposed to if I watch a video of this person, the four days later they're releasing another video or seven days later they're releasing another video and I watch that one, YouTube is naturally gonna push those videos more and it's gonna be fresher in your mind and I feel like subconsciously you're going to watch those videos more. And I've been, 
I've been testing this theory out on my own like search and it is coming back with pretty remarkable like recommendations for that specific person like how many times they show up versus someone else and so I think obviously the more content you put out there great right because you're putting more content you're going to get more views overall but I think the real benefit to putting more content out is that it's more likely that somebody has looked at your channel and viewed your content more recently on a larger scale. Therefore, your content will be seen by those people more and they'll be more inclined to click on that video, if that makes sense. In a way, in a way, it really what it, what it boils down to is there's more data. YouTube, when you release more content, it, YouTube has more data about your content because at the end of the day, YouTube creates um, their algorithms are meant to serve the viewer. Like that's what it's there for. They're there to bring value to the viewer. That's it. And so if as long as your content is, is valuable to others, meaning that there are uh, signals that um, people are watching this content and, and this, the signals are human signals, um, that people, your retention is high throughout the video, meaning that you're hooking people into the very beginning of the video and they're continuing to watch the video all the way through. It, it's not about comments. It's not about likes. It's about the viewing session. Are people staying for the mm -hmm. entire video or, or most of the video? And so if YouTube sees that, they say, okay, the type of person that found this, this video valuable would probably like to see more content like this. But if you're only producing 26 videos a year and then someone else is producing 52 uh, videos a year, the person with 52 videos has more data available for their channel to be analyzed by YouTube to say, these are the type of viewers that, that find this valuable. Agree. And However. so, yes, you're going to see more, you're going to see more views if you post regularly, as long as your content is valuable. Yes. You know, I, I totally agree with that that obviously is a big play. But what I'm saying though, is your search block is extremely personal based on what you consume and how you consume it. So it has Correct. nothing to do with anybody else, right? It's what you consume and how you consume it. If I only watch Jason Hibbs videos and Jay Bates and uh, Vlad and Nikki with my son, 80% of the things recommended to me are going to be that. And then there's going to be another tab that says other viewers watched these things as well. Yeah. Right. And then that's how you can yeah. find other things. My argument yeah. is that whether I've been watching the stuff a lot, I, my core audience or my whole audience is not always engaging in my videos. They're not always watching the videos. And I think a big part of that is because they're not seeing the videos in their feed as much because they're watching them less often because I'm, posting them less often mm -hmm. some of these i've been like running like unofficial tests like on again this is on my own thing watching specific people that i wouldn't typically watch and only watching half the video clicking out after the first 30 seconds like i've been doing a lot of this lately and it's interesting what i'm seeing in my subscription feed and all of the ones that i'm seeing the most are the people who are um who are posting more often and it'll recommend more of those more often videos because I happen to click on one of their videos. 
So now it's like, oh, you like this person? Here's more. And if I keep clicking on them, of course, it's going to keep doing that stuff. So my argument is like, obviously, when I, you know, next year when I'm done and I can actually focus on this, I would really love to go a long period of time with doing a video a week because I saw the same thing on my own channel mm-hmm. when I was doing a video a week. All of my I, average I, I would, views were much higher. I, I would encourage you to do that through an incognito window. See if you get the same results with incognito. Why don't, wouldn't it, if you're incognito, it's not going to serve you up stuff based on your views and all that stuff, right? It's, Isn't that the it's point gonna, of it? It's a, a little bit like it may say incognito, but it, it still knows what your IP address is. It still knows what your location is. Um, so it's still going to be a little bit tailored to you, but, um, but doing incognito is a great way to kind of flatten the curve more or less to see what kind of content you'd be served up. The, the basically the way, I guess what I'm trying to say, I I don't, I guess I'm not really making clear is that you remember back in the day when we were like on the grind on Instagram and we're posting twice Mm -hmm. a day whether it was good yeah. content or not, posting twice a day, feeding yeah. the machine, all this stuff. Guess what happened? Our f- channels grew. Why? Because our stuff was in front of way more people way more often. So it's much higher chance that it's going to get clicked on. And if they watch that video and then they like it to go with your argument, of course, they're going to keep watching that stuff. But there's more videos of mine that are being fed to them. Um, and I'm seeing that with a lot of these channels that are growing really fast is that they're, I mean, there's a couple that I'm looking at that are, they're putting out videos like every couple of days. And mm-hmm. for the most part, it's pretty much the exact same style video every single time, but they've, they've figured that out. And if they're just trying to grow and get a bunch of views and make a bunch of money, that's great. But it's just interesting. And I've really been paying attention to it a lot. And I don't know, I've just been looking at it differently, especially, you know, after, you know, guys like John Lincoln street woodworks and how he, you know, did all this research and approaches stuff. Now I kind of just find that information very intriguing when you actually start paying attention to it. You know, because mm-hmm. I agree with you. You're right on everything you were saying, like how the algorithm works and all that stuff. But I definitely think there's something to be said for those people that are producing that content on a more frequent basis. And now there's more opportunities of new things. Because when, when a video comes out initially in those first X amount of days, it's not a big push for the people that don't follow you. It's a big push for the people that follow you. Like yeah, that content is getting served. The, content. Right. And then if they, if they're all really loving your stuff, then YouTube's going to filter it back. You just have all these additional opportunities to do that. The downside to that is obviously, you know, you can start making crap content that you're just doing to, to fill a void, yeah. and, which yeah, is what I did. You're just trying to, on. you're just trying to do weekly content as opposed to valuable content. Yeah. But it's working for some, I guess it just depends on what your goals are, but yeah. I don't know when Sedge is going to be back. I'm actually there. There he is. is. Um, Speak of the beanie. Can we uh, wrap this one up? Because I actually have to go put my boy down. Sedge, do you call it a beanie or a toboggan? Toque. A what? Toque. A toque. Toque. Or a cap. Cap. Yeah. Mm. Word. People in Ohio call it toboggan. Do they Grab really? Toboggan. I heard that. I heard. What? I've heard it called a toboggan. Patrick, as you're listening to this comment, do you people call it toboggans? I'm pretty sure that's what they say. <clears throat> Took. Took. Jason comes from Canada. Took. Do you have any hatreds this week? Mm. No. No. I, I don't have time no? for it tonight. Um, okay. 
and typically we don't do them on the community episodes, but I didn't even look. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, today. <laughs> I have something I got to ask you, Sedge, uh, real quick when we end this. Shoot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for submitting your comments, concerns, topics, and ideas for this community episode. If you want to have your chance or have a chance of having your question read on the air, make sure to go to www.greensearchspodcast.com. Go to the questions tab. For the love of God, keep it brief. For the love of God. Two sentences max. I'm going <laughs> yeah, to start please. putting a filter on there. Yeah, if baby. it's more than three sentences, it's just going to get deleted. You have 150 characters. <laughs> yeah, let's make it a tweet, okay? <laughs> um, no, we, we really do appreciate everyone that submitted <clears throat> their questions. We look forward to these uh, every five episodes, so look forward to the next one in episode 65. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I bid you all adieu. Thank you. Adieu. Bye. Adieu. Bye. Adieu. Adieu.